I always got the backhanded compliment my entire career too. Always the underdog, always the youngest, always picked on. Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out with me. I'm the host, Katie Delbout, and I have long conversations with fascinating people every week. And this week, I talked to two fascinating people. First up on the podcast, we have Candice Kumai. She's an author. She's a chef. We recorded this conversation a couple weeks ago at the podcasting studio from The Wing in Brooklyn. Candice has a somewhat new book out all about her Japanese heritage and culture and wellness. It's beautiful. She took the photography herself. There's even a Japanese travel guide in the back. I love flipping through this book. And we talk a bit about the book in this episode, but not very much. We talk about her career, making a career of cooking, being the youngest contestant on the first season of Top Chef. We talk about her connection to her Japanese culture, our ancestry, and how that relates to food and our relationship to it. We talk about diversity and wellness. We talk about breakups. She went through a really challenging breakup right before her last book came out. We talk about social media influencers and her complicated relationship to social media and her phone and technology. And speaking of, I want to talk about an app called Lil Space. If you've been listening for a while or the last couple of weeks, you know about Lil Space. It's an app that helps us unplug from technology and rewards us for doing so. It works really simply. All you do is download the free app and it helps you track your time spent unplugged from your device. And for every hour you spend unplugged, Lil Space is donating to a cause that you love. Right now through September, we have a Let It Out listener challenge with Lil Space where they're donating to an organization I love so much and I support at every chance that I get. It's called Real Girl. And I've had the founder on this podcast, Anea, and my friend Val used to work with them. And that's how I learned about them. She's also done the podcast. It's a wonderful organization that empowers young girls. They found out that girls' self-esteem peaks at the age of nine and then plummets. So it teaches them things about their period and body image and mean girls and domestic violence and feminism and all the things I've basically taught myself in my 20s. They're teaching young girls. It's the best. And I have a very complicated relationship to my phone and to social media. And Lil Space is an app that's really been helping me. I'm so grateful for their support. And I'd love it if you guys check them out. Go to getlilspace.com and give it a try. Let's talk about it in the listener Facebook group. And I just, I think you'll really enjoy it. Let's get into my conversation with Candace. But just a quick heads up, this episode is a bit shorter. We didn't have a ton of time. And after this episode, I have an interview with Drew, who's the founder of Organifi. And yes, Organifi is a company that I love, and they are a sponsor of this podcast. But the interview with Drew 
is way more than just some insight about the company and the brand, although we do mention Organifi, obviously. We also talk about things outside of just the products that Organifi has, and Drew as a person was a delight. We had a longer conversation than you'll hear today, but he gave me some really sound life advice. He stayed on the phone with me for a long time. I don't know if it's because we're both from Michigan or just because he was a super nice guy, but it must be why the products taste so good and I love them and I use them because the people who make them, Drew and his team, are really kind, genuine, lovely people. I don't know. That's my guess, but who knows? Anyway, Organifi, yes, is a company that I love. They only have a few products, but the ones that they do have, they do really, really well. And in this interview, you'll hear more about why he started the company, how he started the company. But like I said, he gives general insights into intuition. He's probably one of the most intuitive people I've ever come in contact with and most productive. And he talks about productivity in a way that really helped me as well. If you don't know, Organifi is a wellness company that makes superfood powders. There's a green one that has spirulina and all of the things, a yellow one that has turmeric and ginger and cinnamon and tastes amazing with some macadamia nut milk. And there's a red one that has beets among a bunch of other superfood ingredients and antioxidants. It's the best. I love all three of them. I use all three of them. You can put them in a smoothie. You can put them in yogurt. You can mix them with water. Like that's what he likes to do. You'll hear more about these from Drew, but I do want to mention their probiotics. That's what I've been using every single day without fail. I take them in the morning. They've been a savior for my digestive health. They contain 10 potent strains of probiotics and they're easy to take in the capsule. It's not like a huge horse pill, if you will. If you want to try their products, and you probably will, to be honest with you, after this episode, go to Organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, not a Y. So it's Organifi with an I, not a Y. And use the code LETITOUT at checkout, and that will give you 20% off your order. So again, that's Organifi with an I. Let it out for the code and use 20 percent off. Use that code. Might as well. That's it for now. Enjoy my conversations with Candice and Drew. Let's go all the way back. So where did you grow up? What were you like as a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? My gosh. So Katie, I grew up in Carlsbad, California, which was a predominantly white neighborhood. And my parents were like one of the only mixed race couples. My mother's full Japanese. My father is Polish American. Yeah. I mean, dumpling central, hard work central, like you couldn't be a shitty kid. Even though I was a bad kid, I, I always worked hard and I played sports. So I was actually really good at playing soccer softball, volleyball, and surfing, um, singing, dancing, one older sister, but she was always smarter than me. And my parents loved academia. Mm -hmm. And so I never felt good enough for, I was like always the underdog under her. So, and I guess later in life you learn, like I was good at sports. I was good at socializing. I was good at like throwing parties, (laughs) all the things my parents, my mom probably didn't like. But um, I found my fascination with food around high school and then into college. 
And I really just started by cooking for friends for fun. There was no like chopped and top chef and all that. When I got into culinary school, which was after college at Long Beach State, I went to Lake Cordon Blue California School of Culinary Arts. And I said, I'm going to pay for it on my own because my mom said, you can't cook for a living. You can only cook for your friends. And I, I just said, I'll show you. <laughs> and I think that her is my catalyst. I paid for it on my own. I woke up at five every morning to make it to school by six. And then I went and fit modeled to pay for it afterwards. So every day was like a 12 to 15 hour day of just, I have no idea actually what propelled me other than the fact that I really enjoyed learning how to cook. And it was the only thing that kept my mind off of wandering yeah. That was like when you find your thing, yeah. you almost know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that's so cool. <laughs> so then you eventually were the youngest contestant on the first season of Top Chef. Right. Take us from being in culinary school in college to that. And what was that experience like of being on a reality TV show in the prime of the start of reality TV? Right. That's a great question too, because it truly was like at a moment yeah. when Reality was at its best. Top Chef had just started. We didn't know what it was. So true story. I'm at intro to meets course in culinary school. And I get this piece of paper that says from the producers of Top Chef comes, or I'm sorry, from the producers of Project Runway comes Top Chef. And it was after I was studying for an exam on that piece of paper that I grabbed from a scrap pile. So I thought it was at the library at school. And so I crumpled it up when we were done taking that intro to meets class. And I was like, well, I don't need this paper anymore. And I virtually opened it back up. I think the paper is somewhere at my parents' house in San Diego because it was like crumpled. It had notes all over the back of it. It's a real story that sometimes things just do come to you when the timing is right. You have to believe in divine timing and you have to believe that God and the universe are going to guide you. And like spiritually, I was so young. I didn't really understand what was happening. I was like 22. Wow. I went to the casting and my friends were like, yeah, you're going to do this. They were so excited because they were like, you're pretty much perfect for this stuff. Then the casting directors on top of that were like, yeah, dude, you're a shoe in, you know, like you modeled pay for culinary school. Awesome. Cause yeah, I mean, that's yeah. It is a little bit different than like most people's paths. And again, at the time, like honestly, Katie, it was not popular at all. Like nobody was going to culinary school. Nobody had a cooking a show. Culture, yeah. Yes. I recently met yes. Dana Cowan. Yeah. She, from Food and Wine. Yeah. And we talked about how she really changed the game or her work and like her time at Food and Wine and she was a judge on Top Chef and how that reality TV totally changed culinary like food as a hobby and food Did as she an think it was better or worse after food had hit reality TV? I wonder. I think she it made food culture what it is today, which I think is really not what it is today, but what it has like worked up to. Now I think and we'll talk about this too, like the spin on wellness has changed it again. And so I think it's like, it's constantly changing, but that was just kind of like the first, like before that she was saying that people, you know, it was like French food was the like main, oh my like, God, it was. popular thing. It was like high right. food. And then now it's like, there's fusion this and that. And like, you can have, it just made food culture and being like, 
made it more mainstream, which I think is really cool. Absolutely. It did change it and opened up platforms for women like myself. But I also feel like because I was at the beginning of it so young, I was unfortunately or fortunately, whichever way you want to look at it, the pioneer of like women who were young and into fashion or just being myself. Like yeah. I didn't want to wear a chef's coat at culinary school or when I cooked at restaurants, I looked like a man and I fucking hated it. And I didn't culinary to me was not all about cooking French. Although I did go to a professional French cuisine based school and like Cordon Bleu program, which is French because it's certainly the Holy grail of food. But growing up with a Japanese mom and going to Japan since kindergarten, the open door for me of like, Whoa, like tripping out was when I was five, I went to Japan. My mom and dad were smart and they took my sister and I there. They pulled me out of kindergarten to experience this. And of course my mom's a Japanese language teacher. So she got coursework for my sister and I to do while we were gone. And I remembered what it was like to be like a young Asian girl, like feeling a little bit different. Like why were we going? And then when we went, one morning, my grandma, my bachan and jichan and my mom and dad and everybody, we sat at the table on the floor with the tatami mat and the pillows mm-hmm. and they made breakfast with miso soup. So miso shiru gohan and tsukimono, which is Japanese pickles, rice and miso soup. Yum. And I didn't know that breakfast could be savory. Yeah. So I'm five years old sitting with my grandma and my head is exploding I can remember the feeling of like, whoa, like tripping out that we could eat on the floor with our hands and we could drink miso for breakfast. I was like, wow. At home growing up, what was the food like? Was there a Polish influence? Was it Americanized? Were you eating Japanese food? Did your mom cook? It's a great question. Along with also being proud to be Japanese, my father was devotionally proud to be Polish. So he came here on a boat when he was 11. Wow. So he came to actually to Connecticut. So close. Yeah. He and him and his family were very like, they had an uncle. It's a very common story who actually served in the military and got them over here. And they were very blue collar and they started from the bottom. And my father was very lucky because coming young at 11 meant you could still speak Polish and English well. So he learned English, even though it was extremely hard for him. And then they also took my sister and I to Connecticut to visit the family and to learn about pierogies and guomki and the culture. And I, I really remember, I think a lot of my memories are seeing my bachan and my babcha both in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. And when I did, I think I just felt that they ran both households in totally different worlds. And in a well, beloved way. You <laughs> ask that all the time, but I need to go and study Polish cuisine I actually work very closely with Belvedere Vodka and I love the brand. It's it's salt to the earth, real, all natural and everything from the terroir to the processing and the filtering and the purity of the product is highly prized. Like there's an appellation, much like wine that they derive the vodka wow. from and they have restrictive guidelines so it's not like all the other brands that really are fake, that add chemicals and sugar. Yeah. Belvedere is the only one that doesn't add any oh, of that. Cool. Good to know. Nobody knows that. I know. Yeah. 
And then on top of that, there's a lot of history behind Poland and vodka. What I do foresee happening is me diving more into tradition, heritage, culture in all aspects of of different cultures across the globe and saying, you know, where is Katie from? Like, where did your ancestors eat? What did you learn from grandma? Like, even if they were like second or third generation American from Germany or where are they from? My mom's parents, her dad is Greek and came over. Oh my God, I love that. Yeah, and they owned a chocolate shop, and you'll you'll love this. And his dad oh died when he was very young, and so he had to like take over the chocolate shop when he was like eleven or something. And okay. then he met my grandmother in kindergarten in like the town they lived in, and he said, "I'm gonna you know marry your daughter like to my grandma's parents." And my grandma like ran out of the room screaming, and that ended <laughs> up happening. But you'll love this because oh my, my grandfather was in World War Two, and he fought in the Battle of Okinawa. Oh my God, that is amazing. Yeah, and so he always that talks about Japan. Amazing. And, yeah. Where were they based out of? I don't know. I don't remember. But I was, do you know, I mean, where did grandma and grandpa live in the U.S.? Oh, so they were born in New York in like a small yeah. town in yeah. upstate New York. Amazing. And then my gra- after the war, there was this thing called the GI Bill, which maybe you know about. And so all of the... <sighs> Um, yeah, it's very tough to yeah, learn about this stuff. All of the veterans after World War II got free education. And so that meant that he could go to school, but all the schools were really booked and all the ones in New York were over full. So yeah. he had to go to Michigan to go to school and he ended up staying there. Ruth, my grandmother, moved there with him and then they had six kids. And so I grew up in Michigan. He ended up coaching basketball at the, at the school. Oh my God. So, yeah, that's why I grew up in Michigan. What a great story. So, yeah. But that's what's so fascinating. Stuff. That's what's so great about your book is like it made, I love Japanese food and Japanese culture. So that was interesting to me. But it also, like you're saying, it made me think about what is my heritage and like how can I think more about totally. that sort of food or that sort of culture. And I just love old timey things Katie, anyway. So. It was so bizarre to me that. Nobody had done that. Yeah. Like when I wrote this book, people, it took me three years and I sat with my mother. I went to Japan many times. I went to Okinawa twice over those 10 years. Which I heard you said in another podcast is like the Hawaii. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to go just to pay an homage to your grandpa now. Yeah. Because I went to many of the battle sites. I would love to. Going to Japan is like my boyfriend and I's like (sighs) next like manifestation. You you really We'll go, and I'm certain that you will have a great time. The The back of the book is just a travel section oh, great. for you Perfect. to sort of just dive in and indulge because, because Japan was closed off for so many centuries mm-hmm. and it wasn't opened back up that long ago, there's still snippets of the old culture and the old life all over, but it is vastly changing at a very rapid pace. Yeah. And while I love westernization, I mean, I'm wearing Nike high tops and like, I love my beats. I can't live without my music when I'm driving around. But I I know in my heart that my calling brought me back to Japan, whether I wanted it or not. It's just like that piece of paper in culinary school. Like a lot of people don't know that I wrote this book because of a really traumatic breakup. Yeah. Can you talk about that? Yeah, I mean, we talked about this a little earlier today. So I had a couple of other meetings in the city and people are like, 
you live the life, you know, they're like, you're single, you've traveled the world, you, you're a writer, like you're established, you're a top chef, you're, you judge on Iron Chef, like you write for every magazine. And I'm like, yeah, but being Japanese and Polish, I was taught to only show the good mm-hmm. and publicists that I work yeah. with for the last 15 years of my career from modeling to the beginning of my book career and TV told me you do not let people see you sweat. And so it wasn't until Kintsugi, which is the art of golden repair, and Wabi Sabi, which is celebrating imperfection, did I realize that me taking my mask off and telling you about my shitty times, my tough times, the trauma, the breakup, healing, mending, sealing, the horrible feelings I had deep inside of me, like, what did I do? Why did I deserve this? Why me? All of the stuff that we've all been through, like when that guy left me, he did me the biggest favor of my life. How long were you together? We were together for a few years. We worked together. I thought we were in love. We had a cat together. We had our apartment on Wall Street. It's actually my place and I allowed him into my life. You know, I thought this was my person and he lost his job and visa and went behind my back and bought a ticket to go wherever, like back to where his parents lived or whatever. I don't know. I wasn't part of his master plan behind my back. (laughs) I know, I know, right? If you guys could only see Katie's face right now. When I told the story a few other times, people have cried. And also to top it all off, that next day, hours later, was my book launch party at the Deepak Chopper Center for Clean Green Eats. Oh my God. So my career suffered tremendously and nobody knew about it. The book could have done a lot better than it actually did had I been able to have the strength to promote it. But I yeah. went and I presented, even though it was just hours after. And that was the Japanese tome of Gaman, which is with great resilience, you will move forward. And you won't feel sorry for yourself. When you have a tiger mom like I did, there is no mercy. Like you don't allow the person to change your world. What does tiger mom mean? So tiger mom is an Asian mother who expects nothing but the best from you and will continuously tell you to improve your life with I think Kaizen. I have yeah. I mean, she's not. She doesn't Asian. need to be Asian. She doesn't need to be Asian. But, you know, the term comes from yeah. a Chinese mother, typically. But my mom was always like, I'm not a tiger mom, okay? I didn't even think I was that bad. I'm like, uh, mom, you're pretty fucking hard on us. Yeah. yeah. Presentation of your mom might be my favorite part of you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I haven't all- met her, but it seems really spot Katie, on. Katie, you're going to love her. I, I have a whole character. Like, I purse my lips, and I do this, like, if you, wa- if you watch, you know, t- we were reviewing tape today on it, because Dr. Oz will constantly be like, Candace, we do your mother. You know, <laughs> what would your mother say? And he always says that, and I'm like, she said, doctors can't make the soba noodle and the soup together. <laughs> he has to cook the noodles separate and then put it in the soup, okay? And she's very serious when she's giving me cooking notes. But it's so endearing because for the last decade of my career, I debated on whether it was okay to talk about her or not. And or she just... her, yeah, which might be offensive, but I guess it's your it's mom. Really so it's really not. Okay. <laughs> I, I agree. And I was like, I'm sorry, you guys, but I'm not going to not share that part about my life. 
she's my ultimate favorite person yeah. above and beyond anyone. I don't idolize anyone. My parents are my only heroes. I mean, for real. I think it's really weird when people idolize other people. Because I'm like, I think it takes children of immigrants and people who grew up with different backgrounds to see that the real heroes are the people that endure, that are humble, that aren't on Instagram, that are doing big and badass things around the world that take courage and don't, yeah. you don't have to use your thumbs yeah. for it. Well, let's go back to the, to the breakup. Oh, <laughs> the worst. So after that, you have this book coming out, you're in this huge life transition. How do you come out of that? And then what is the process from that book to, you know, coming up with the idea for this book and what was the writing process like for this book and you know what are your what are your tips for let's start with the breakup though like what are your tips for healing after that and growth well now that that. i am finally out of it which i think how long ago is it a couple years ago yeah it it took a while because it was also trauma like the person straight up cut me off like for basically no reason it was very bizarre like because his life fell apart. He put it on me, which mm-hmm. the apple can't fall far from the tree. He probably learned that from somewhere in his past. Yeah. And I don't do that because I watched my parents have a really healthy best friend mm-hmm. support stability type of relationship. Yeah. It's symbiotic and it's very like one person takes care of the other and then that person takes care of them back. And it's equal love, equal play, equal support. And so my sister and I will look for health and stability in our relationships. With friends, I look for it. If someone's toxic, I'll cut them out. But I certainly thought that this person was better than he was. And he really disappointed me at the end of the day. I mean, shame is the word I would use, Mm -hmm. truly. And I don't really care if he hears all the podcasts that I talk about because my truth is me honoring myself. Yeah. And I will not disrespect myself because somebody treated me poorly. Yeah. So the best things I can recommend to anyone who's going through a time of trauma right now is rest, get a lot of sleep, surround yourself with good people that are humble, like close friends and close family will serve you well. Mm-hmm. My mother gave me really good advice and she said that Not everybody was actually concerned about me during the breakup. She said some people just want to gossip. So you have to learn how to separate the gossipers from the real people that care about you. I ate well. I didn't drink. I ate mostly vegan. And I, I went and exercised to force myself to get out of the house. But before I could do that, I didn't really have strength to exercise. So I just walked everywhere. So I would take these long walks around the city and the pain was so deep. It was like cutting the air with a knife. Like it was, it's stuff you couldn't imagine until it happens to you. And maybe some of the pain, Katie, wasn't even all from just him. I think the abandonment that he did and the cutting me off completely was be so jarring. It was outrageous. Yeah. And then, of course, a few months later, I was still like latching on to that relationship. We tried to get back together not once but twice. Yeah. And he left me the same cowardly way he did the first time. Oh my God. So what we learned from my mistakes is yeah. the person will indeed 
leave you the exact same way they once did. If somebody is making a commitment to you to stay and work on things, they have to show you. He told me he would stay and never leave me again and how sorry he was. Yeah. But he didn't show me that. Right. And a coward will talk all day. Yeah. But a true good human being with a big heart and an open mind and the ability to love wholeheartedly would only show you. Of course. Yeah. Wow. The word like honor comes up a lot. He dishonored me. And then I gave him these two other chances. And the honor itself is what we need to have for, for one another. I mean, your grandfather, my grandfather, your grandmother, my grandmother, these are things that they knew and practiced And I don't know what level of distortion or where the eras and different generations lost things like respect, honor, mindfulness, having manners. Like even just talking to you, I was like excited. I don't give a fuck about what outfit someone's wearing on Instagram tomorrow morning. Sorry to be rude, but it's just like, Nobody really cares about your outfit that you got mailed and free clothes from this person. Why can't we just be more meaningful in our everyday practices, even if it is just on social or on a website or a newsletter? Why can't we write things about you sharing how to journal or how to podcast? I saw that you're educating other women, and I think it's phenomenal. Thank you. And I've researched with the monks, with the elderly. I've traveled the world studying in Sardinia and Japan and My job now is to interview those who have survived war because I feel like that is honorable work. What do you have to show for when the battery of your phone dies? My dad asked me that all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Well, that's another thing we always talk about in this podcast is, is social media. And I'd love to know about your relationship to it now. How do you handle that? And not being defined by Instagram and how, you know, this generation under us is it's this addiction that we all have. And I think I heard you say you're posting less, but more meaningful things. So can you talk about that? I love this question because number one, it's a very hard question for me to answer. Mm -hmm. Number two, it's a challenging question for me to answer. And number three, it causes me devotionally from the deepest part of my gut, a lot of pain. I don't like the way that it makes me feel. Mm-hmm. I don't like having to take pictures of myself all the time. I think it's extremely narcissistic. It's never been, I've chosen to not put myself on my last two book covers because I don't want to be on my book covers. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. When I die, I want to leave a legacy of literature and work that helped people to be better people, not to look at how fabulous I looked on, you know, gracing. this book who cares so I think what I my relationship to it is strategic now where I will use it for sharing great content a great podcast a great you know say you're out there and like I went to Rivello and it's a part of Italy that I fell in love with and these kids were putting they were making art out of flower petals and flowers and it was two days after Bourdain had taken his life and I had never felt that way about somebody in media before. 
it was the hardest thing to watch because he was my true hero. So when I saw the flower petals, I thought about like all of my years of depression and I was like, this is so beautiful. And I have a Canon and I have a Sony a seven and we were playing with all the cameras. And I just thought the colors are so beautiful. And my grandfather was an impressionist artist and everyone learns about that in Kintsugi wellness, like as a family of artists, it is important that we showcase the beauty of the world and the art that we have to share with one another. So I took a picture, say, of, of just the petals together in their wabi-sabi, like perfectly imperfect format on the ground in front of the church. And I also took pictures like with old architecture. Such a great hey, thank you. It's important to share content that matters and it is about quality over quantity. So yeah, I mean, I'm going to post what I'm doing because people want to know. And I think that it's important if we're like the last front line of real media, like I consider myself to still be one of the last people that's actually the same person I am here that I am today's show, Dr. Oz, if I'm writing for Cosmo or Shape or Men's Health, I'm the same girl. And I had a very touching conversation with a real deal editor at a big magazine at Meredith and a real deal publicist today. And as you know, because you live here, your family's from here, you're born and bred hustler. We all as professionals have a problem with bloggers that think that they're entitled, that show only the exterior and the exterior motives. They all have a case of the gimmies and they do not contribute anything positive to society And when they take the check for 30 grand for one picture with a product in it, yeah, it does. When they take that, shame on them for using it to their financial gain. We used to applaud stuff like that. And now the game is when we're at real press and media events or press trips, these people are nasty and they're not nice and they're not kind. And you know why? Because they're threatened by real deal artists, real writers, and real journalists, and real publicists, and real TV personalities, and real TV hosts. I mean, Robin Arizon is a real friend of mine who teaches Peloton every day and has an incredible story of running ultramarathons. And she used to be a a lawyer. Or my friend Rebecca Kennedy did all the certifications to be a real trainer. And now she's the Peloton running girl. And thank God that she's there. And both of them, because they did the training, they did the education, they did the, they took the front line seat, which is the hardest seat to be in. I took the front line seat for food and pioneering food for women. And it's the hardest place to be because while everybody was busy gaining followers or buying them, they also were not writing books. They were not in front doing the training. They didn't get the certifications. They didn't go to culinary school. They didn't write for the magazines. They were not on the masthead. And now we're punished for it because we don't have hundreds of thousands yeah. of followers. That's not right. And I, you can mark my words right now. The cream will rise to the top. I hope so. It is it's so interesting. Like the people I'm most attracted to are the ones with the least amount of followers. Like, I just, <laughs> like you, <Katie. laughs> I, I don't, I can kind of see through it now. And that wasn't how it always was for me, but that wasn't how the space was five years ago, even. And like my, my boyfriend's a photographer and he, 
which is has nothing to do with with this but he's just not into instagram like couldn't care less like doesn't think it's cool and that was really helpful for me to be like oh i'm so it's it's uncool almost in my circle it definitely is like in my circle of friends to be on your phone and to be yeah like i'm embarrassed when i'm like i want to put this in my story like i feel embarrassed and pull it out and do it and well that that just speaks to my like midwestern friends that i have mostly but but. it might also be a really hipster like cool thing too because my sister who's super hipster in london and runs her own bike shop and is like the most amazing girl she wasn't on it forever she's like i don't want something to take over my time and you're absolutely right it's it's a little bit of entrapment and yeah i I wish they took better care of real artists i wish they took better care of us because there are people that have a massive amount of education degrees and they're helping people every day in the medical field and they're being asked to grow their following. And they're like, I have a clinic like yeah, where I'm saving patients or lives or people who like need their message heard are, you know, ousted by, yeah, it's really interesting. And I'm glad, I'm glad we're having this conversation. Another thing that I want to make sure we have time to talk about is this is true of many industries, but wellness and one that that you're in and I love to hang out in is that there's a lack of diversity. So can you talk about that and your experience as an Asian American woman and how that's been? It's a really cool question though, because you're right. Like we, I guess you could say I feel really comfy in my position because I've been here for a little while, but I also feel uncomfortable sometimes because Wellness is seen as a very elitist, white, male-driven category. Like, I used to write for men's health and men's fitness, so I know better than anyone, like, what it's like to work for them at the top. And it changed, you know, over the years. I utilized my strengths in being Japanese, but as you can see, it took me five other clean eating books, clean green eats, clean drinks, pretty delicious, cook yourself thin, cook yourself sexy. Cook Yourself Thin was not a title I came up with. It was a show format from the UK, from Tiger Aspect, that did very well, that got bought into the US. And I was a Cook Yourself Thin girl. And that's how my writing career actually started. It's a fascinating story that I'll write about one day. But it's it's also where people said when I was like 24, 25, 26, they're like, girl, you can write recipes and they're really good. People are like shocked on Top Chef. They're like, you know whose food is actually good? Candice Kumai. And it's like, oh, thanks guys for giving me. I always got the backhanded compliment my entire career too. Always the underdog, always the youngest, always picked on. And you know what? Redemption is a bitch. (laughs) Well, we never went back to, to, I want to keep talking about diversity, but on Top Chef, how did you, how long were you on it? Oh my God. So my season had 12 people, the small season ever. And I was the fourth one to go. So I made it a good way in. That's like halfway. I made it a good way in. I was a little kid. Yeah. I mean, I was like the little sister. Did you have fun doing it? Sometimes. Yeah. It was like, it felt like being in culinary school still because I already was like, because I was in a kitchen every day. Yeah. And it was like with crazy people though. Yeah. (laughs) I remember watching that season with my mom, so I'm sure. Oh, my God, Katie. It was like being in a cuckoo house. What year was that? Well, remember the fight I had with Steven? I called him a tool and a douchebag. I'm sure. He was a stuck-up sommelier, and he was really mean to me. 
I, I don't like, I, I remember what year, how many years ago is that? Oh, like, like 13, they were on like season 13, I think. Oh, so it was man. like, it was over 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah. So I guess I would have been in like middle school. So I don't really remember like the exact oh my God, thing. You were a baby. I, I remember, I know my mom Katie. and I watched like every reality TV show. So I definitely watched it. What's your favorite reality TV show? Well, it was like all back then. So we watched Survivor the first season <laughs> and we watched like, Project Runway for sure. Yeah. Oh my God. Project Runway is so legit. Like, I just fucking loved that yeah. show. Yeah. And she still watches all of them. Like, she knows all of them. I don't know. Do you watch any of them or no? No, I don't anymore. But she watches all of the. <laughs> like, ooh, so we, watch, we loved Queer Eye. Like, yeah. that. And that, the original Queer the Eye. The original yeah. Queer they Eye. They brought it back. They brought it back. Yeah. Well, here's the thing is, even on that show, I was typecast as like the cute young girl, and yeah. everybody knew it. We all had a role. It was so obvious like real world but with food <laughs> and with crazy people in a cuckoo house yeah. yeah i was i was legally like only one year legal like uh, allowed to drink at 22 and yet i drank the least out of everyone in the house because i looked around and i was like are you motherfuckers serious <laughs> like i didn't understand why they would want to get drunk and blitzed on cam but I was like, all right, dude, I'm going to go to bed. Bye. Yeah. And me and, like, the health and wellness girl and Andrea and this other girl, Lisa, would, like, all go to bed early. And everybody else got, like, shit-faced. They just put the alcohol out. They know how to work it. I yeah. mean, it's just. It's all contrived. <sighs> yeah, it is. And that's another thing that me and my friends in food that are over the fakeness. Like, I am so over it. And also, like, the fashion bloggery thing. Like, I'm a real fit model that came from the fashion industry. Like I've had people pin on my body for over 10 years and cut and sew on me. I don't think any of that stuff is cool. Like when I really want to find out what's in or whatever, I'll pick up a copy of Vogue, like, or I'll go to Vogue.com. Like it just really, the whole thing is a little bizarre We live in a very weird world. Right? But you said something interesting. I forgot to mention this. I'm friends with designers like Michelle Smith or Nicole Miller or the Joie team. And they'll send me looks that are really in that they just designed off the runway. And I'll style those myself and just put them out. And I think my homage to them to pay respect to their hard work as female entrepreneurs. Yes, their form of art is allow me to wear it for you because I proudly wear your label. And Millie, Nicole Miller, the Joie team, those are three of my favorites. They've been all in the game for many, many years. There's even a a really good sustainable company called Amour Vert that makes really sustainable clothes that I love and Reformation as well. These are brands I love. And what's interesting about a fashion blogger versus somebody who's a real model, and I think models have the pain of this too, is at least like the models know what it's like to be in the space of the designer and on the runways, whereas the fashion blogger may not leave their desk or their thumbs on their phone. And that's scary because what we're cultivating is failure for our younger generation that doesn't even know what being a real hard worker in the workforce means. Yeah. I got a sidetracked with my curiosity about Top Chef, but I want to go back to diversity in the space and what your experience has been with that and how, what do you think we can do as, as people, as women to 
create space for people of color and create more diversity and wellness? I love this question. My hand is on my heart. So the first thing that we need to do is we need to support other women who are of color and that are diverse. So I will name a few names if you guys can take notes on these amazing women. The Black Girl and Ohm friends of mine, Lauren Ash and I are close and I really believe in them and what they're doing. That's great. I believe in Latham Thomas, who is... She was one of my very first podcast guests. She's such a badass. She's the real deal. Yeah, very cool lady. Rosie Acosta, who does yoga all over. Oh my God, adore her. So sweet. Sahar Rose. She's done the podcast. Incredible. And then I talked to girls like Mirai um, Nagasu, who won the silver medal, like for the Olympics figure skating this year. She's Japanese American. I work with the US Japan Council on spreading more Asian American love between places like Okinawa, Japan, and the US. Like I am their bridge. I act as their American Japanese foundation that can help. I used to work with the White House Initiative for Asian American Pacific Islanders under the Barack Obama administration over in Hawaii. And what I did was I helped the little kids to look at me and see me cook healthy because the population of obesity in Hawaii is actually quite tremendous. And I will help people when they ask, what can I do in my low income area? You can buy carrots and potatoes that are very cheap. Root vegetables are cheap. You can roast them. You can make a big bowl of quinoa or brown rice and save it for the week and mix in greens like romaine lettuce or even arugula. You can get spinach for cheap. It's 99 cents a bunch in California at the store. Avocados are pretty cheap in Cali, so you should just move back to Cali. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Water, obviously, is what you should be drinking every day, but... I also think it's important, like Robin is African-American. I I think it's important to to help women that are mixed also, like Hannah Bronfen or Robin Arison. They're both beautiful mixed girls that I'm mixed also. So I feel like we all relate to each other more. Like Cheyenne Alexander and I were talking about this the other day. We're both Asian and white. And that distortion of like, what are we? Who are we? Mm -hmm. If you look at us now, we're all like a vulnerable front line also of women that have put ourselves out there and we're showing you parts of our life that are really real. And so the other thing you can do is support all of these women of color. It doesn't matter what your background is. Everybody is at the end of the day, as Jessamyn Stanley once said to me, who I adore. She's in the podcast too. (sighs) She's such a babe. She's great. Such a babe. She said that at the end of the day, we are all skin and bones Mm -hmm. and it is our soul and our spirit that will always live on. And when you walk around Brooklyn, this artist has been writing this all over and it says too many people, not enough souls. I sometimes listen to music when I'm going from meeting to meeting or when I'm traveling on flights. I mean, I just got back from Sardinia and Italy, and then I'll be getting back on a flight to either Maui or Tahiti and then to Japan again. And I think about how it looks really privileged, but at the end of the day, I'm doing a lot of gritty work and I've chosen the path less traveled. Like I'm single. I don't care. I quite enjoy it. 
I date different men. I enjoy that too. Like, I don't really know who I'm going to end up marrying. He could be black. He could be Middle Eastern. He could be Hispanic, Latin. I like all those types. He just can't be basic, you know? (laughs) And I, I quite enjoy like not having children yet because I feel like I'm not ready for that. And when I'm ready in all divine timing, everything is going to align. But you just have to trust. And one of the only things that has given me a glimpse of hope and a touch to my soul is knowing that there are other women beside me who feel the same way and say, I'm with you and I I support you and I know that your life looks really pretty. Because, you know, being half Japanese and growing up in a family of artists, that's what we did. That, that is our job. My yeah. book, I photographed on my own. And I was going to say, this. <laughs> so thanks so much, Katie. It, it about killed me, but the challenges are real. The struggles are real. And when we share and take our mask off, when somebody like Jessamyn Stanley puts herself out there, we've got to support them and shut those haters up. Like I said this on my podcast the other day. Go take a fucking knitting class. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to hear your garbage all over the internet, you yeah. coward. Use your thumbs for something else. <laughs> yeah, knitting. Yeah. <laughs> I have a million more things I was going to ask you, but we'll do these as quick fire-ish. Okay. Okay. So another thing we always talk about on this podcast is body image. As a woman, being in wellness, yeah. being a person in the world, how do you handle body image and you know, I usually frame this question as when you're having a bad body image moment, how do you shift and not let that turn into a bad body image day or week? So important that we talk about this. So when I was 15, a modeling agent approached me at career day at school and we signed with an agency very young because I was five, eight, very thin. And as she said, I looked exotic. My mom was not into it, but she knew that we could make me happy by doing it. And we changed my name. My surname was Gwizdowski and we changed it to my mom's last name, Kumai, which is my middle name. So from then on, I identified more with my Japanese side because of the way I look too. I always got booked on stuff that was casting an Asian or Mm a Pacific Islander. And when I got older, I ate really normally and I was athletic. So I had a physique that was really great for fit modeling. So it was a perfect size three or five, depending on the company, because some companies vanity size up. So I fit modeled all over the nation from LA to New York, Seattle, but I always had to balance my eating with fitting. So it was like torture for a while. And in culinary school, we were eating pastries and cakes cookies and roasts and you know we made like a birthday and wedding cake for one of our assignments I mean come on I totally gained weight but I'm tall so and and none of my friends actually told me that I was gaining weight because everybody just loves the person so as I got older too I've noticed I love my vegan chocolate chip matcha cookies that everyone's obsessed with and they're in the book Kintsugi Wellness They're off the chain, Katie. I'm sorry I didn't have time to bake today, but we will. Great. (laughs) Being a healthy chef is great, but it also means I'm constantly recipe testing and developing and eating things like matcha cake and matcha cookies, matcha lattes, lots of chocolate. 
which I have no problem because your grandpa came from that background too. It's my favorite when I travel, like in Italy, I had to try the chocolate. There was this one chocolate shop I kept seeing everywhere. I was like, just going to go and get one hazelnut chocolate. And I had a great time. I don't compromise a thing because when I'm running, it's my ticket to having whatever I want. Wine, pasta, chocolate. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So a couple more quick fire questions. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? I mean, going to Italy, I just got back like two weeks ago, if that counts. We made homemade pasta and treats with my friends in Sardinia and... The I think it's called Judanda. I have to think of the name of it again. It's a hazelnut chocolate like that's in in Italy that is just phenomenal. And gosh, I'm just trying to think. Like I love cooking for myself, but some of my favorite food that I have is from my mom. She can make anything good. She does a killer curried salmon with veggies. She's like the queen. But she says that she says, you know, your food is better than mine now. (laughs) (laughs) Did you have a favorite Japanese place in New York? New York? I go to, I like ramen lab. So ramen lab is the correct way to say it. Toto yakitori, toto ramen, toto soba. It's a chain of different toto restaurants. And then I like, just in Brooklyn, like Samurai Mama is not bad at all. It's so easy. Have you been to Gohan in... It's in Lori's. Oh, I definitely heard of it. Do you like it? I love it. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have to go there. It's really tiny and I love it. I think one of my other Brooklynite friends told me about that place. I'm going to have to go with it. It's in Manhattan. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, we we talk foodie shop all the time as Brooklynites. Yeah. But the other thing that I want people to know about me is I'm not really a foodie. Like I cook at home and I'm friends with all the chefs. Like I... Akhtar Nawab is one of my close guy friends. I know like Marco Knorr, Rocco Despirito, or who else is in our wheelhouse? Um, I don't know any of those names, okay. but I bet they're they're very, really very they're really talented. No, no, not even. I don't even think the word famous or is talented. Is a, <laughs> talented for sure. Yeah, I would like cool. to think that a lot of us are really sick of this like fake celebrity chef thing by now, and that we yeah. we really care about the customer and the reader and the person eating yeah. our food. Or in my case, I want people to go home and, and cook the ramen, the udon, the cookies. I want them to make it and experience what it's like to make udon at home. Yeah. 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 Okay. Favorite concept from your book? Wow. That's a deep question. I think that when people crack it open, the most meaningful chapter it will be chapter one, Kintsugi, which is figuring out the art of golden repair and healing your life and how to get through a traumatic time and a little bit of my story. And then chapter two is Wabi Sabi, which is celebrating imperfection and the notion that life is not perfect. And the Japanese do look at life as it being imperfect and it's okay. And that's like really allowing. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. Greatest lesson on living in New York. When did you move here? Why did you? Holy shit. Eight years ago. I was so poor when I moved at a suitcase and like a couple hundred dollars. And it wasn't, I don't even know how I got here. I am so glad I moved. I think the biggest lesson of all is that me being me and not being a fake media personality is so much more comfortable 
And so the greatest lesson is in, in the end, just be yourself because nobody gives a fuck about you. Yeah. (laughs) Greatest lesson on creativity. My mother was very hard on me and she showed me and didn't tell me. So it's in the action of the Japanese that we watch grace, humility, honor, and integrity. And even my father on the Polish side did the same. So I think in creativity, one must look at others with the eyes and the senses and say, does this evoke emotion and positivity and change? How do I feel about what this person is presenting to me? And if it makes you feel good, God bless it. Keep supporting that artist. Okay, greatest lesson on God's spirituality. What do you think happens when we die? All of that. I mean, I've, I've always said, like, at this point, I feel good about everything I've done so far. And so we do live in New York. So, like, if I, God forbid, die tomorrow, I will hope that some of my work will have helped many people. Now, I do hope to write many more books and to help thousands, if not millions of more people with solutions that are realistic. I believe in God. I have a Buddhist mother and a Christian father who used to be Catholic. And my sister and I were raised in the church. I believe God has been watching over me and taking notes and angels like are around me all the time. And I also believe that the Buddhist upbringing in me lives on and when I sit at six in the morning in the middle of the cold temple in Koyasan in the mountains of Japan and listen to the monks chant from 6 to 7 a.m. every morning, when I stay and study with them and pray with them, there is nothing more beautiful to my heart and soul. I think everybody should find what makes them feel good. I think that as long as you are harming no other person or being, and if you are living your best life and you feel good, then fuck what anybody else thinks. Do you? Yeah. Okay, so this podcast is called Let It Out. So before I ask you the last question, this is your time to recommend things. So it can be movie, book, music you're listening to, TV show, podcast, food, place. You're so cute. Oh my God. Can I see? You have to tell me the... Okay, well, as we go through, if I run out of good shit, which I probably won't. (laughs) Okay, so... I like starting with like girl crushes or guy crushes or, I mean, I just have always had a thing for Drake. Champagne Poppy is my kind of man. And my dream is to cook for him like nude one day. <laughs> Great. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I love, oh my God. Oh, that would be amazing. <laughs> my, there's, my, an, there's an <laughs> app or I think it's like a game called Drizzy Tears. Have you heard about this? Shut the fuck up. No. And you I like catch his tears. He's so amazing. Give that a Google on the way. He's so amazing. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. So I'm obsessed with my midi rings from Catbird. The beautiful. I love Catbird. They're amazing. It's so Brooklyn too. The only thing I have from there is a sparkler that someone got me. And they're like, I bought you this. It was the only thing I could in Catbird. And I keep it because it's so pretty. Times will change. It's literally a a sparkler. The best part about getting older, too, is that you'll become more successful (laughs) and you'll start enjoying more of the things that you wish you could afford. Because trust me, I was there, too. But taste is something that, like, I've got down now, so I'm Take your time. (laughs) Take your your time. It will all... It, like, morphs when it's supposed to. Just, like, with, like, trusting divine timing. And your taste levels are really going to change. Like, I look at what I wore in high school or college. I'm like, 
what the fuck? Like, why didn't somebody tell me not to wear leopard pants to school when I was with heels in high school? The 2000s were like a weird time. <laughs> <laughs> it was a weird fashion. <laughs> and I was orange in college. Yeah. I'm like, why did we all do that again, you guys? Um, our president is orange. So <laughs> I'm currently reading Fulfilled by Anna Usim and The F Factor by Tana Zuckerbrot. I love both of them. They're great books. I currently run in my Ultra Boosts by Adidas, but they're Ultra Boost mids. So they have a little bit of a high top kick okay. where they support my ankle because I am a klutz. And if I ever like do that weird wah, wah thing with my ankle back mm-hmm. and forth, it kind of protects it. It's cool. I also really love my Nike Air Force Ones. I wear high tops all the time. Citizens of Humanity, high-waisted. Christy Jean is my favorite. When I'm using face products, so like right now, I really like Tata Harper, Ursa Major, Indie Lee. Tata Harper was my first guest too. Oh, she's lovely. I mean, all of these are like homegirls, right? Yeah. Every Everybody that we've named that we know together is an awesome woman. <laughs> I also really like Kopari Beauty has a coconut scrub that I'm obsessed with. And I use coconut oil all the time for everything. So people know I take my makeup off with it. I use it to lather up my body. I'm currently training for all those races right now too. So I do make smoothies in my Vitamix every day. And I utilize apple cider vinegar in a lot of my smoothies. And just to like help to suppress appetite before or after a meal, depending on what works for your stomach. It's highly acidic, but I try to have something fermented every day. So if I don't have time to grab a kombucha or have miso, I typically have a swig of apple cider vinegar. There's a brand nature's intent that I like that's from a Japanese company. Then there's also trying to think of like all the little things I enjoy right now in life. That was like a good grouping. Unless you have any like media that uh, other media that you want. Oh yeah. I mean, typically I love supporting my friends who've been good to me. So I think Tim Ferriss is awesome. And I really like how he hustles and hustles well. And I like Lewis Howes. I think he's a nice person who's always trying to help other people and their podcasts are awesome. And I also, the girls I mentioned earlier, Rosie Acosta Mm -hmm. and Sahara Rose are like my work wives And every day before I go to bed, I do try to like say to myself, I had a good day. I feel good. And I'm the biggest fan overall of just quality sleep. Yeah. So important. Yeah. That's my, my favorite, most juicy tip is that sleep is actually the greatest form of any beauty product rolled into one. We got to get you to sleep because you've got an early flight. Oh my God, the early flight. The last, the the way we end this podcast, as you know, it's called Let It Out. So I just want to make sure I run you dry. There isn't anything else that that you wished I would have asked or that you wanted to talk about. I love that title too. I do want to tell you, I really love how real and adorable and fun Mm -hmm. and just giving you are because not everybody is real. Thank you. And I know you know the difference between somebody who is and who isn't once they like walk into that door. Mm-hmm. Thank you. You know so what sweet. I mean? Yeah. Like absolutely. I want people to know that I've been struggling because I've watched a lot of people be fake and mean and rude and manipulative and using and social climbing. And I want everybody to know that I'm over it. Mm-hmm. I know who you are. And I'm not going to be pressured or manipulated to feel like I'm not as good as you guys anymore. 
And I will not follow people like that anymore. And I won't tolerate poor mm. behavior from other people. Like, Good. I'm not as young as y'all fucking think I am. <laughs> <laughs> or dumb. <laughs> so we always, in this podcast, it's kind of weird, but I think you'll be into it with, since it's called Let It Out. So we'll take a deep breath and then let it out together. Okay. Okay. Ready? Okay. <sighs> Letting out all that negative energy of all of those people. <laughs> Okay, so you can find Candace's wonderful book anywhere books are sold. It's beautiful. I'm looking at it right now. And where else can they find you? And then tell them what the emoji is. So Kintsugi Wellness is at all your bookstores and favorite retailers. It's K-I-N-T-S-U-G-I. It will be linked in the show notes. Very good. <laughs> Katie Sonnen. <laughs> and then also I'm at Candice Kumai on Instagram. C-A-N-D-I-C-E-K-U-M-A-I, where you'll only find positive notes and real deal life tones. She's a great follow. Hit that button. Thanks, girl. <laughs> and then also, I have a podcast, Wabi Sabi, which oh, is yeah. about real life shit. Like, stuff that was thrown at me for my 10 to 15 years in media. I also... I think it's really nice to to talk about like how we can socially connect too. So if you write to me on comments, I'll always write you back. And my favorite emoji ever is the unicorn. I well, I was gonna say I think we should do a different one for this. I think we should do the matcha. Oh, you had done the matcha. unicorn before, okay. and I feel okay. like the matcha. If it makes sense ever, of course. it makes sense this one. If we're promoting Japanese love, we, we should gotta say. Do the matcha. The matcha can be matcha and the unicorn. Okay. Matcha unicorn. Oh my god, both together. That's Why do we have one. to choose? Why do we have to have one? Yes, matcha <laughs> unicorn. So if you're still listening to this at the very end, tweet at Candace, comment on our Instagram, the matcha and the unicorn. We will know you came from this podcast. Yeah, dude. And I think you are adorable, Katie. Everybody should give Katie what's your double emoji? Come on. Well, they know that they know where to find me, but it's just my name. But both of us. Yeah, but what's your double emoji? My favorite emoji. Oh, my favorite emoji is the I love the lightning bolt. I use that a lot. And I use the I like the black swiggle. Like it's just a black (laughs) swiggle. It's kind of niche. And I like the green, like the actual green, like it's just a plant. Those are mine. That was my conversation with Candace. I enjoyed it. I hope you did as well. Pour yourself a matcha or maybe make some miso soup because this episode is not over yet. We have the founder of a company that I've been loving, Organifi. And his name is Drew. We recorded this conversation over Skype. He's in San Diego. I was here in New York. And yes, he is the founder of a company where I love their products. But I promise this conversation isn't just all about the products. He's a really cool person, and I loved getting to talk to him. I discovered a new brand recently that I'm loving and I want to tell you guys about, and I'm so excited that they're supporting today's episode. They're called Organifi. That's Organifi with an I, not a Y. They have just a few products, but the few products that they have, they do really well. Let me just tell you about what I'm loving. They're probiotic. It's amazing for my digestive health. (laughs) You maybe know that there's a connection with our head and our gut. 
And when things are running smoothly for me, if you know what I mean, everything feels better in my life. I've been taking their probiotics and they are a very potent probiotic with 10 strains. They're easy to take capsules with the highest quality ingredients. Everything is potent and gives you a generous amount of beneficial bacteria. And it's super easy to remember to take in my busy lifestyle. I love their probiotics and also their red and green juices. It's 100% organic and easy to take while I'm on the road and costs a lot less money than buying a green juice. It ends up being about 2 to $3 per juice. And they also have a gold tonic that's an anti-inflammatory turmeric situation, which let me tell you is lovely blended up with some coconut oil and some macadamia nut milk and some extra cinnamon. It's a delight. Check out Organifi. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I, not a Y, an I, dot com. And make sure you use the code let it out to receive 20% off your order. That's using the code let it out to receive 20% off your order. I'm actually originally from Michigan. Oh my God, me too. Get out of here. Yeah, no wonder. So then you get the alien thing. Yeah. Where are you from in Michigan? I'm from East Lansing. Wow, big city. I guess so. The booming metropolis. I usually take out my hand and point to the middle and say, I'm from a small town in Michigan here in New York. And then yeah. people look at me crazy that I'm pointing my to my hand because they don't won't, wouldn't know East Lansing. But I can just say that to you. So where are you from? So I usually take my hand and I point almost all the way to the top wow. to a little place close to Traverse City called Cadillac. Oh my God. My best friend is from Cadillac. What? That's Yeah. Crazy. We both live here in New York now, but... This, uh, this podcast is getting weirder by the moment. Yeah, that's hilarious. Yeah, I, I know I know Cadillac well. Wow, nobody knows Cadillac. Yeah, what a small world. Mm-hmm. It's so funny. Another I interviewed another brand that we work with. And do you know Juice Beauty, the beauty products? The, they're natural and holistic. Oh, but I love juice and I love beauty. So yeah. <laughs> I can tell already. Well, anyway, very, very aligned with your company. It was so funny. I kind of got on the call. I was like, yeah, you know, the the products are cool. And I'm so grateful to have them as a sponsor. And I didn't really know anything about the founder. And I got on the phone with her and she was also from Michigan. She grew up in Kalamazoo. Yeah. Wait, I think I've seen Juice Beauty. That's like beauty stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. They have skincare and makeup and it's all with organic ingredients. It's funny that we're now making this an ad for not your company. But yeah, they're 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 a cool company. It's all good. I believe in giving people the healthiest <laughs> stuff possible. So if you're saying they are, I know you know your stuff. And it's a fellow Midwesterner, fellow Michigander that started yeah. it. So And as much as I want Organifi's products to be good for your skin and like cosmetically, I mean try putting a bunch of spirulina on your face. Yeah, maybe for Halloween. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, so you grew up in Cadillac. What were you like as a kid? What did you want to be when you grew up? What was your relationship to food like? Tell me everything. So what didn't I want to be is a better question. I think as a kid, I had so much just inspiration pouring out of me. I remember I wanted to be the president. I wanted to be a firefighter. I wanted to be a salesman like my dad. I wanted to sell used cars because that's what my dad did growing up. And then at, at a point, he was a truck driver. So I thought that was cool. Wanted to be a truck driver. He wanted me to be a pharmaceutical sales rep and so did my mom. But I kind of took the opposite approach and instead of giving people 
Western type medicine. I wanted to supply them with Mother Nature's very own healthy stuff. So it was beautiful. It's legitimately all worked out well. Yeah, cool. So you're in Michigan. When did you move to California and what were some of your first jobs? I started a credit and finance company and I slaved away, worked really hard, made a lot of money, but I realized that I was just working to make money. I really wasn't doing anything that fueled me like on a spiritual, emotional, metaphysical kind of cosmic scale. So I was meeting with a wise sage, you know, we, how we all have those mentors and people that enter our life at the perfect time. And his name was Frank. And Frank sat down with me every morning for like two years in Tampa, Florida. And he told me if I did anything at all to transform my life, it would be to help as many people as possible and not really worry about money. Just do something that I love to help people and the money would follow. So from there, I moved from Tampa, Florida. I took Frank's advice and I just grabbed an HD flip cam on YouTube seven and a half years ago and I started shooting videos of myself vlogging in the kitchen, making juices, making smoothies, teaching people about our organ systems, you know, how to detox effectively, mindsets. I was doing Mindset Monday and Saturday strategy every week for almost the past seven and a half years. I've been doing that. Four years ago, we launched Organifi and that's completely blown up like rocket fuel. All over the world, we're in like every country. We have thousands of people every single month that subscribe to our Organifi Club, where we provide all organic, non-GMO, vegan, soy-free, dairy-free ingredients infused with ancient Ayurvedic technology and Chinese medicine. So think of some of the green superfoods that you see out there that have 40 to 50 ingredients. We only chose to go with like 11 in our formulations so that it's more potent. And we did clinical trials on our green juice and it's it's been shown to do some pretty crazy stuff in your body. So now what I do every day is I love inspiring and helping people heal from the inside out using the power of mother nature. And there's nothing more rewarding than that. What is a piece of life wisdom that's helped you start multiple companies and grow Organifi? What is some advice that you've learned from books or elsewhere that has helped you? Yeah. So for me, the biggest piece of advice in that particular question would be don't overthink it. I think way too many people get wrapped up in how they're going to do it versus just doing it. So if you look at the 20 universal laws, one of them is the law of action. So I take probably faster action than many people that I've met. And it's based on results. It works pretty well, right? So when you get an idea, when you have that insight, that inspiration, it's almost like sitting on a thumbtack. You just jump out of your seat. Like that's the kind of motivation and enthusiasm that you want to move throughout your day with. Many people just, they'll get that inspiration and then they'll sit on it for a week or two and then it will dwindle and it won't turn into anything. I so relate to that. Yeah, I, I find that if I have an idea, even if I can't act on it immediately, writing it down or like making some kind of plan to take action on it is the only way that I can do it. And even that, if I don't actually get started on it, it will dwindle. And I think I read somewhere that your brain gets a hit that you've actually done the creative idea, the more you talk about it. So actually taking action before you talk about it too much can be helpful. Yeah, there's definite, I feel that in you. Like, I feel like you've had this idea for maybe the past three years and you haven't really followed through with it. And I, I think you should. I really do. It seems like you're super connected to your intuition and 
open? Have you always been that way? And how do you hear your intuition? And yeah, how, how have you opened yourself up to that? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's the same thing. I mean, life is so simple. I'm, I recently finished a book called UBU that I wrote with Hay House. It's how to detox your life, crush your limitations and own your awesome. And one of the biggest things we talk about in the book is actually your intuition. And it's funny because they've done MRIs and brain scans on mediums, you know, people that have amazing access to other people's fields so they can pick up information on other people's fields and talk to other relatives that they've had and crazy, some crazy like other dimensional stuff, like crazy mystical experience. And what they found was in the brain scan, their brain's not active at all. Nothing is active except for one little region of the brain. And I believe it's right above the PMRF, which is the Ponte medulla reticular function. And somehow it's connected to the pineal gland. And to get to that place, you have to shut your brain off. You have to stop thinking of what needs to be done, the past, present, and the future. Because thinking makes us heavy, right? If you listen to some of the greatest ascended masters on the planet, like Buddha and Jesus and what they were here to teach... Oftentimes, they would give us the most simple, prolific messages, and they were super profound in like three, four words. So as human beings, especially in the 20th century, we overthink everything. So if you want access to your intuition, really, it's as simple as stop thinking so much. One of my mentors, he's a Toltec shaman. He's in the wall, which takes 52 years to get to this place. It's super powerful. If you ever read any Carlos Consonata's books, he's the apprentice to Don Juan. And one of the things Don Juan talked about was as human beings, we're so busy uploading our importance into, we could call it the unified field, the matrix, the grid, source, God, whatever you want to call it, that we don't hear the messages. We don't hear our intuition. It's just shut off because we have these huge egos. And as Americans, as humans, period, the fear, the limiting beliefs, the news that's in our mind, the family problems that we have. So once you start to realize that all that is an illusion anyway, in this 3D box that we call reality, you start getting access to more and more of blessings and gifts from God, from the creative source. Mm. And that's powerful. And I can tell just at a quick glimpse of your Instagram that you're on your path and you're about to see some crazy things happening soon. I can tell. Mm, well, thank you. That is nice to hear. So what are, you know, maybe some of your daily routines that you do in the morning when you first wake up, maybe the first three things and then in the afternoon and in the evening and how you wind down and relax and shut down after a long day and being an entrepreneur? Yeah, so that's a lot. I mean, we could talk for weeks <laughs> about <laughs> morning rituals and evening rituals. And I think the biggest thing, first thing in the morning is to become I do like a sense meditation and I talk about it in the book UBU where you hone in on every single system in your body and you just pull your consciousness to the present and the feeling of what it feels like to really be in our bodies. I think most people are so much in their mind, especially when they wake up because they're thinking about their emails, their work, their schedule, the kids, the food that they're going to have for breakfast, the vacation that they're about to take in two weeks, whatever it is, that they don't get silent. So for me, in order to be truly effective, I need to be able to hear that small voice that's inside. And to do that, I do a sensual, like a sense awareness meditation where I call in my intuition and I just 
get really present. I stop the chitter chatter in my head. And from there, it's I go into overflowing amounts of gratitude. Gratitude that forces the, the skin to get goosebumps to where you're so grateful that you have tears coming out of your eyes, right? And you just, you feel so blessed in the moment, first thing in the morning. And as soon as I reach that point, I do what's called entering their wishful room, which Neville Goddard talks about in the late 1800s, big metaphysical author, where you start pulling in images and thoughts of what you truly want to create in your life. So I think about the day specifically, because a lot can be done in 12 hours. It's amazing. So I think about all the possibility, everything that could happen. And then sometimes I'll reverse analyze it using game theory and looking at different decisions that I'm about to make with maybe investors that are visiting or different tribe members that are part of our community. And then I backtrack it again and I just see the day in complete harmony. And then from that point, I get up and I'm big into music. So I play the guitar for about 30 minutes and I jam out, I dance, I move around, listen to music even, you know, maybe play the piano for a little bit. And I go to the gym, I work out, I come back. And all while I'm like hydrating with uh, lemon and MSM, which is basically minerals. I'm sure you're well aware of what that is, mm-hmm. as healthy as you are. So minerals and sometimes amalaki powder, amalaki, which is an Ayurvedic powder that's very cooling for the liver. And based on Ayurveda science, we have, there's three different doshas. So I'm a pitta, so I usually run hot, probably like a lot of your listeners if they're out doing things. I'm the opposite. I'm a vata. You are? Constantly freezing. Yeah. <laughs> You're always cold? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So you don't drink the pot. Don't drink amalaki then because you need something to warm you up. Probably ginger for you. Yeah. I love ginger. Yeah. 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 So you'd love our gold. Yeah. I have it. I love it. You do? Nice. Yeah. I love the taste of it too. Yeah. So super hydrating is important. Then I read and I write for a little bit. I usually get up around four o'clock, so that's why I can cram so much stuff in in the morning. Oh my gosh. Then I'm ready to work for the day. What are your thoughts on making wellness accessible and not exclusive and not, I just don't want people to feel like they're wrong and myself included. I, I never want to feel like I'm wrong if I'm not doing things perfectly because I've so been there with wellness and with yeah. getting into superfoods and getting into all of the things and all of the information, there's something on the internet that could probably tell you that every single thing is good and bad. So how do you kind of cut through that that noise or how, how have you dealt with that in your life? Yeah. So similar to the way that I just wrote this book, I think it's, I'm going to use the analogy of everything is perfect now, wherever you are in your life, whatever you're doing to be healthier, that's perfect. So if Two years from now, we find out that spirulina is not good for you or something crazy, right? That would just be not even imaginable. Then we'll adjust then. I think the important thing is, is to take advantage of your health now and become as informed as possible. So how do we become informed? How do you know who you really are from a health perspective? There's so many products on the market today that just try to sell as much stuff as humanly possible without really understanding First and foremost, the biological meat suit that we have, I call the human body like the meat suit sometimes. (laughs) So bear with me. So to get to that level, it's always good to test. It's like one of the things I recommend all my clients do is look at like a micronutrient test, right? And see where you're deficient with what products. So you can start taking things that work 
to help you with some of those deficiencies. Also blood tests at least once a year. So you can become informed of what your blood's doing, cholesterol, liver function, kidney, all that other stuff. And then once you're conscious of what your body's actually doing, then choose things that can help you from that standpoint. So in things that really help from that standpoint are superfoods, things that are loaded with different nutrients that are highly absorbable. There's a lot of synthetic vitamins out there that your body just simply doesn't absorb. It's not food, right? Organifi is essentially food because you're getting the food value of all the stuff that's actually in it. So your body's using it. It's absorbing it. So I think as long as you make conscious decisions that are based on mother nature and your biology, like you're set up to win no matter what. And if things change, things change. Don't beat yourself up. Don't judge yourself. Don't live in fear because fear is actually worse than the actual consumption of something that could be bad for you chemically. Yeah. Agree. And stress. Stress too. Yeah. I love talking to you. I loved meeting a fellow Michigander. Before we go, I want to ask you the final question. But first, what are some of your favorite Organifi products? And what products would you recommend for me and for some of our listeners that you want to call out and highlight? Yes. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on the show because this is awesome. And I love anybody that's into helping other people. So this is cool. So my favorite product is probably the green juice because it's our flagship product. It's the first product that we ever came out with. It solved a lot of my issues of having to find an organic grocery outlet in Nebraska or Kentucky or wherever I was traveling to and trying to get organic turmeric in my juice, right? Because sometimes that just is impossible. So we wanted to make it quick and easy. It takes like 30 seconds to mix up the green juice and it legitimately tastes like a sweet like a mint tea. So there's coconut in there, ashwagandha, which we've done clinical trials on. It actually lowers cortisol levels. So it helps people that are kind of stressed. Ashwagandha is game changing, like mm -hmm. incredible. There's turmeric, there's lemon, which helps detox. So green juice is probably my go-to, probably my personal favorite. It's got spirulina and chlorella, but I would say gold is a close second. And since you told me that you run a little cold, I think gold is amazing. A lot of people report, especially people that haven't been able to sleep real well over the past year or two years, I've heard they start drinking the gold and it just knocks them out. So that's more of a recovery restorative thing at night, helps with inflammation because of the turmeric. And it literally tastes like a dessert. So if you're the person that's craving ice cream or cookies or brownies at night, and you want something that's sweet, but it's also a treat to heal your, your body to help you heal, as a remedy, then gold is something you can look into as well. So I would recommend the Sunrise to Sunset Bundle. Cool. Love that. Trying the red as well. Red's very anti-aging. It's got the beats. It's good for circulation. and I like that one a lot. Yeah, thanks. Well, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Your company's amazing. And I'm so excited to partner with you guys for this podcast. And the name of this podcast is Let It Out. When I offer that to you, is there anything else that you wanted to let out that you wish that I would have asked that you never get to talk about that you wish you could talk about more? Did I ring you dry for all of your wisdom? <laughs> ring me dry. That's funny. No, I just want to let it out to keep doing what you're doing. You know, I think it's awesome. Thank you. I think, yeah, the community that you built, I can tell your people are really serious about taking their health to the next level like you are. And to me, everything is energy and frequency. 
in life. And I think the higher vibing foods and the higher vibing people that we have around us, we start cutting out toxic relationships that maybe we have, our whole landscape of reality starts to shift. And I'm living proof of that. I have, I'm living my dream life, but it started with one green juice. It started with making that one decision, that one choice that kind of built up the momentum and the motivation to keep going and inspiring people and making my life so much better. So yeah. And now here we are. Cool. I love that. Okay. We kind of end with something weird, but I can tell already you're going to be into it. Okay. So since it's let it out, we let out a deep breath together. So inhale. (sighs) (sighs) And so it is. Feels better, right? Yeah. It always feels better after that. Feels a lot better. We should have started that way too. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's when I should do it at the beginning. Anyway, thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you. You're a delight. Nice meeting you too. That was my conversation with Drew, founder of Organifi. Again, that's Organifi with an I. And if you do want to try any of the products, no pressure, but I love them. And you might as well use the code let it out because that will give you 20% off your entire order. I've been using their turmeric product, their gold. I like to have it after dinner for something sweet, like you said. I also really like their red. I like putting it in my yogurt. Maybe weird. Maybe that's not how he would use it, but that's how I use it. And uh, I wanted to tell you that. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Don't forget to unplug. Maybe this weekend, it's something we could all do together and check out Lil Space when you do it. It's hard for me to say Lil Space, but it's L-I-L Space. It's becoming my favorite app, which is ironic because it's an app that keeps me off of apps, but I love how simple it is. Again, you just download the app for free. You don't have to spend any money for this one, and it tracks the time that you spend unplugged. And for every hour you spend unplugged, they're going to donate to Real Girl for us. I just want to get as many of us participating in this as possible. I'm going to try to unplug from my phone for most of the weekend. And Nick is in town. I just want to be really present. And maybe we could all do it together. Again, that's getlilspace.com to check them out or just search them in the app store. Join the challenge for Real Girl. I love you guys. Have a great week. I will talk to you next week. I'm excited to see many of you this coming weekend when after this is out this weekend, Nick's in town. But next weekend, I will be at the week that you're hearing this. I will be in Philly at Goodfest. And I would love to see you there. Please say hi if we're all there. That would be great. I want to give you all hugs and meet you. I will have a big announcement about how we can all be together in December. But I'm going to wait. This episode has been long enough and I will let you know next week. Until then, if you liked this episode, please share it with a friend. Please leave a review on iTunes. It really helps out a bunch. And I want to say to anyone who came to my event on Tuesday last week at the Alchemist Kitchen, I had so much fun. It was sold out. I wore this brand new red dress that I'd been excited to wear. I got to meet so many people who I want to be friends with and we all journaled together. It was pretty magical. So thank you for coming and I'll talk to you guys soon.